We're at a point in human history where we've discovered all the parts of our world that have something to offer to pioneers. Sure, we've scouted less of the ocean floor than of the surface of the moon, but both spots are rather desolate. The bottom of the ocean is occupied by weird-looking creatures, and the moon doesn't have any life, as far as we know. We can only dream of reaching out to the stars. Our reach exceeds our grasp in this early 21st century. But not long ago, the wide wilderness of the Americas was nothing but an empty space on the map for Europeans. The age of exploration fueled the imaginations and ambitions of generations of explorers. By the early 1800s, only a few spots were left undiscovered by the Western world. John Coulter was one of these last great explorers. He was born sometime around the Revolutionary War. No one is quite sure when exactly. People weren't as interested in birthdays back then as they were in the business of staying alive in a cruel and indifferent environment. His family moved from the Virginia colony along the coast into the Kentucky interior when he was a small boy, and he grew up living the life of a frontiersman. Adapting to the natural world, far away from any concept of urban life, he made his home. This upbringing made him the perfect candidate for the Lewis and Clark expedition that sought to chart out the remainder of the West and reach the Pacific Ocean by land for the first time. Coulter excelled in his role with the Lewis and Clark expedition. He scouted out passageways through the mountains. He relayed messages when the group split up. He hunted to sustain them and handed tribute to friendly indigenous tribes for their support. And these friendly dealings with the indigenous people along the way was invaluable to recruit experienced guides who could help them navigate the difficult terrain ahead of them. And the terrain was indeed brutally difficult. The expedition initially thought that the mountains on the horizon would be the dividing line with the Pacific Ocean. Instead, the first mountains were just the beginning of the Rocky Mountain Range that these explorers would have to cross without sufficient supplies. The expedition was forced to eat their dogs to avoid starvation, but they were lucky enough to avoid the fate of cannibalism that would befall the Donner Party who would try to cross the Rockies decades later, but get stuck in the snow. The explorers emerged on the other side as mere husks of their former selves, but they had done it. They were the first Europeans to cross North America by land. When the expedition was good and done, Coulter stayed in the West to trap fur and trade with friendly indigenous tribes like the Crow and the Flatheads. He was the first white man to explore Yellowstone and the surrounding area, and he reported back its famous geothermal activity of plumes of steam. Few believed this magical land actually existed. They thought Coulter was just telling tall tales after spending too much time in the bush. The ravings of a mountain man. After these personal explorations, Coulter teamed up with a former Lewis and Clark expedition member named John Potts to make deals with the local indigenous tribes. On one trip, while 800 Crow and Flathead allies accompanied them back to their trade post, the group was attacked by a band of Blackfeet twice their size. A skirmish ended in a stalemate, but Coulter was superficially wounded during the fighting. 
he would need time to recuperate. But once he did, the duo set back out into the wilderness. As they canoed down the river, they once again encountered hundreds of enemy Blackfeet along the shore, who forced them to come closer. Coulter agreed to come ashore, where he was quickly disarmed and stripped naked. Potts refused to do the same, and he was shot right in his canoe. He was wounded, but still managed to return fire. He was then peppered with bullets, and his body was hacked apart and mutilated in retaliation. Coulter was brought back to the Blackfoot camp, where his fate would be decided by the elders of the tribe. He was told to run. He quickly realized he was being hunted as prey by the young braves of the tribe. Their initiation into manhood. And so began the frantic chase through the wilderness. The Blackfeet likely saw this naked fur trader as an easy mark for the hunt. But they happened to choose one of the greatest frontiersmen of all time. Only one of the Braves was able to keep pace with Coulter. Coulter turned and spooked this lone Brave, who then jabbed his spear forward, missing and falling to the ground. The spear tip broke off the shaft. Coulter grabbed the spear tip and lunged at the Brave, impaling him to death with his own weapon. He then took the Brave's blanket as clothing and continued the run. Coulter reached the river, eight kilometers from the start of the hunt, and hid in a beaver dam to avoid the pack of Braves hot on his trail. When night had fallen, Coulter emerged from the dam and began the 11-day walk back to the trading post. He had survived a tale as old as time. He had survived a human hunt. Not discouraged by his many wounds or by the many hardships that he had faced in the mountains. And not discouraged by being hunted for sport. Coulter set up another trading post in the West with some new partners to replace his friend, poor John Potts, who was now worm food. But upon returning to his trading post one day to find his two new partners having been hacked to pieces by the Blackfoot, Coulter decided he had had enough of the violent frontier lifestyle and he decided to return to civilization. But eventually, civilization would come to this last frontier. <laughs>